0: All American Gunslingers presents Ubaldi Reports. Hey
1: everybody, it's John at Ubaldi Reports. The one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues impacting America, whether internationally or globally. And with me, I've got my couple of my co-hosts, as you all know. Um,
0: Can we just go re- around? We, I think we yeah, should think we go, go around. Go, i got more
1: than <laughs> just my normal co-hosts. So first is Joe Bits.
2: Me, Joe Bits.
0: I'm Sarah Goldsmith.
2: I'm Ray Krause.
1: I'm Cody Klein. i So we got a lot of people to discuss, and the topic really is going to be, does Joe Biden think Americans are stupid? Now, that may be kind of harsh, because last week, Joe Biden went around the country, at least up in Maryland, and he stated that the economy or Bidenomics is working. But on Tuesday of last week, the U.S. Census Bureau reported that medium household incomes dropped $4,000 between – 2021 and 2022 and then the very next day the inflation report came out and it showed a big jump now remember it was three percent in june it went up to 3.3 in july and now it's 3.7 and everybody seems to be affected i talked to a lot of businesses i talked to a lot of individuals and everybody's paying higher rent they're worrying about utility utility costs have skyrocketed everybody's talking about that but all these issues, and you you just kind of want to ask, does he really think Americans aren't intelligent enough to realize his policies aren't working?
0: Well, my uh, idea of this podcast was that he kind of goes off and says that, yeah, we're... Like, I think it was like when he went over... Um, to Vietnam. Yeah, when he was Vietnam over in Vietnam. In India. And he's just like, yeah, America, we're doing great, kind of thing like that, and we're not. and But every time he says something, he's talking down... I always think he, he's almost like talking down to us, and there's a lot of... There's a sect that's kind of believing what he's saying, but then there's a lot more other people going... Really? Seriously?
1: Well, but even some of the things he said that are not economic related, like he went to Maui to confront the victims of the Maui fire, and he kind of referenced back to his own experience. It's just like in 2021, when he went to Dover, um, was it Mer- Delaware, to re- to um, not welcome, is not the word I want to use, is to, ex- to gr- greet the remains of the American Marines, soldiers, and sailors. And, um, who were killed at Abbey Gate, and he talked to the family members, but he referenced his son being killed in Iraq when his son was not killed in Iraq, and he returned from Iraq five years ago. He's I think the latest one, he's talked about how he was, been, he was raised in a synagogue, and he just, or he was, he was raised by, or been around Puerto Ricans when he had the issues regarding Puerto Rico. He says these things, and you kind of wonder does is he does he believe that or does he think americans aren't intelligent to realize this isn't
0: wait you said is, something about maui and he also has like stories especially when it, like maui with the fires you know he was like saying how he could relate because he yeah, had a because fire. he and, almost
3: lost his car in a garage yeah. fire. Like, so he's, he's saying that, the but
0: then also it turns out it wasn't true going back. <clears throat> and then recently for nine eleven, he's like, yeah, I remember I showed up the next day. The next day and it was actually, I think a it was more later. of a week. Yeah, it was more of a week. And he could have maybe came off, like have a better message had he just said... You know, even after I visited the World Trade Center or Ground Zero a week later, it still looked like hell. You know, that would have been more impactful. And, you know, I would think, actually, if Biden really wants to win the 2024 election, if he starts telling the truth... You don't oh, no, have to figure think, out what that is. Exactly, but, think, but, but I'm think, just saying, if you start if you start saying things and they're accurate, you people are going to be like, okay, I think I want to hop on this guy's train. Well, but I think a lot of it
1: goes back, this kind of compounds the situation, but a lot of it goes back to the economy. Just like we talked earlier today, you had bought your truck back in 2020. Could <laughs> you buy that same truck today? No. And, be, and I had a guy yesterday come into the store I work at And he he's one of the uh, service managers at a Toyota dealership. So I'm always asking business leaders, I'm asking everybody, so I can build on this podcast. And I asked him, what's what's the used car market like? And he says it's slowing down because of interest rates. And even he said, I'm struggling to keep my head above water because rent has gotten more expensive, Mm -hmm. interest rates are higher, utility rates. Everybody I talk to when it comes to utilities – They're paying four times or twice was what they did a year ago.
0: So, can I hold on? I want to preface something here. John has this vast knowledge of almost everything that gets passed. He reads all the bills. He has, like, this knowledge. He can tell you every vice president going all the way up to the first election. Uh, So, he has a wide range of knowing certain things and what happened. So, this will kind of correspond with the question okay. here.
2: So Glenn said, "The next bill the GOP passes that helps the average American will be the first in over a hundred years."
1: I would totally reject that. There's many bills that the GOP has passed that definitely helped American people. One, I mean, I know I'm going to get feedback on this one, is tax cuts. Every, I mean, even the Bureau of Economic Analysis in the Congressional Budget Office said the latest tax cut that passed in 2017. The bottom part impacted their lives. So, that idea that the 100 years, that's a big hyperbole right there.
2: So, I have a follow up actually on that. Is the House Republicans right now, currently, um, are they doing the Americans a favor by, you know, kind of going back and forth on this uh, new budget?
1: The problem the Republicans have is we need to cut the debt. That's 33 trillion dollars. The problem they're having every time the government shuts down, they get the blame for it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the other side and the other side knows that. So that's what they're trying to do. They've got to keep the government funded, but they've got to they've got to somehow start reducing. But the Republicans also have to realize you only you only carry one portion of the government. You only control the house. you don't control the Senate. And you don't control the executive branch. So you can't overreach because you're just going to shut it down and you're going to get the blame.
0: But is there something they can do other than um, – because uh, every, almost every bill that they're trying to pass or when they're doing the budget here, they want to throw more money to Ukraine. And I think that that's the point of contention where – Well, it is. They're like, okay, we want to do this, but we don't want to give any money to Ukraine. And then it's like a standstill because even if it does pass the House, it gets locked up on the Senate. The, the, the,
1: the Republicans now have to do a better job of messaging. And every time they go on, like on whatever show they go on, they need to be consistent and show what's in that bill. Go around the country and tell them That's this is what's in that bill that is, that is not going to help what you're doing with.
2: All right, so Glenn comes back and says Republicans never shut down the government when there's a Republican president. Why is that?
0: Um, well, I think wouldn't it wouldn't be the same if there was a, a, a heavy. Uh, because they were. Uh, okay, so with the Dems. If they were in charge of the House, they'd probably be the same way with the Democrats. It's the same way. It goes both
1: ways. Democrats aren't going to do anything that's going to harm the Democratic Party, and Republicans aren't going to do anything that's going to harm Republicans. And when there's a Republican president, they have more wiggle room because when George W. Bush ran the country, when he was president, for the first six years of his presidency, he had the House, the Senate, and the executive so that typically even Democrats, when they control things, they get things that they want passed. Also, the last oh, it, time
0: House – what was the last shutdown? It was under Trump, right?
1: No, it was under um, – hold it. Yeah, I guess it was. A Remember the big,
0: big Macs and McDonald's? For- yeah, it was under
1: yeah. Trump. But the, bigger, the last
0: big major
1: shutdown was in 2013 when uh, the House control was controlled by the Republicans and the Senate had the um, – the Democrats control the Senate. I'd, I'd
2: like to say this, because uh, it was 2013. Obama, I am missing $1,400. I was in the Marine Corps at that time. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: Thank okay, you. you so I, I do want to sneak that in that.
1: that. But the key is, <laughs> but when it comes to the budget, we're $33 pay. trillion dollars in debt. And this is where I blame Republicans as well. Mm-hmm. To get the de- the deficit under control, you got to do a couple things. you got to get more people to work. you got to expand your economic base. That means you got to expand this element. And then you have to, and I know I'm going to get hit back on this, you have to reform the American entitlement programs. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid are going broke. This isn't me saying this. This is the Medicare and um, Medicare Medicare, um, actuaries, the Social Security uh, leaders have said this, the CBO has said this. They say by 2033, if nothing is done, the Social Security is out of money.
3: Yeah, Social Security got screwed over when they opened up those funds for general use.
1: It's that, but it's also the, the premise of Social Security is just like we said on a previous podcast. Every worker contributes to Social Security, just like every employer. So your payroll tax from the employee and the employer goes into Social Security. The problem is there's Social Security was predicated on... You didn't live that long. I mean, when I was a kid, if you were 75 years old, that you might as well have been 200. Yeah. But today, we live longer. So you can retire. Like my father, he retired at 55 on disability because he was injured as an iron worker. He lived till he was 92. He was on Social Security longer than he worked because he was an immigrant to America. And that's the problem. We live longer, and we need to reflect Social Security to reflect that, but it hasn't reflected that. And there's very few workers behind. The biggest group of people who are going to be getting into Social Security is the baby boomers, but there's that's when they had big families. We don't have big families today, so there's not enough workers to cover those who are currently working.
0: And then, so if there is a decrease in um, births and stuff like that, that means in about close to like 50, 60 years, like the millennials or the um, Gen Z is going to feel it.
1: You no, know, everybody's going to feel it come 2033 because you got two choices. Substantial cut in benefits, and I think the CBO had said that. Okay. It's going to be about seventeen.
0: So 000. let's go to Social Security for a second. I mean, why are we obligated to give Social Security? Why can't we just say... We opt out so we can put it somewhere else. You can't do
1: that. The law has stated... (laughs) But see, nobody wants to change the law. Nobody wants to fix it. Nobody wants to uh, reform it. Nobody wants to say... If you if you want to opt out, you cannot. It doesn't so work cl- like that.
0: Well, okay, the workaround. Why don't we privatize Social Security so that we can actually put it in a big like four hundred and one k? So it will kind of. Why can't we use it like if we were going to use like a four hundred and one k where we put money into it and then that money gets saved late because okay, gets saved later and then all of a sudden it's like hey John's retiring so sixty five and like here's your big ass check. That's because- one of the
1: problems is if you take so if you take Social Security. Uh, You take your payroll tax that you and the employer put into Social Security. Instead of going to Social Security and you say, I want this to go to my own retirement where I can manage the money, you get a greater return than what you get on Social Security. But you got to change the law, and nobody wants to do it because you get demonized, and you say you're throwing grandma and grandpa off to the curb. So Mm -hmm. that's why no one touches. It's like the fifth rail of politics.
2: So Jake Lowe Geology says, so tax the rich. Um, what what have we how what have we learned about taxing the rich?
1: Well, that's the image Democrats yeah. want to portray. But forty seven percent of Americans pay no taxes, mm-hmm. and the top five percent of Americans pay over th- almost two thirds of all the taxes. So if you're just going to tax the rich, there's not enough rich people in America to pay for everything. And they're just going to find just, a
0: way to make you pay more so they can get so they can.
3: You
1: know. It's just there's just not that's a false argument. That everybody makes. Well, there's just not enough revenue from the wealthy.
3: Exactly. And if we took every cent from every billionaire in America, we could run the federal government for eight months? Or something <laughs> like that. It's just, there's like, no- that's that's yeah, just ridiculous. But see, this is where I
1: go. Now, this is where I also fault Republicans. This is something most of us here were part of. We were, all came from the Department of Defense. All mm. of us were Marines. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Republicans want to you know increase defense spend. I got it. But they need to reform the Pentagon. The Pentagon is still a government agency ripe with waste, fraud, and abuse. You've got Anthony Courtesan from the Center for Strategic International Studies said, each military branch, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines, only look after their own parochial service instead of having, here's our national strategy, how does the Marine Corps mission affect this? In the navy, and the army, and the air force.
0: So, John, maybe like last week, I would have agreed with you, but since we are, you know, as all American gunslingers, is search is uh, going to look for government contracts, and we do focus on the arms business. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let, we're gonna let the <laughs> de- Department of Defense spend as much money as they want. Okay, but even
1: I know we're a, you know, with a tongue in cheek, but even like with weapons, how long does it take? To decide, this is our new handgun, our new rifle. Too long. It too goes long. too long. I mean, how much do you take five or six weapons you want to do, throw them out into the dirt, let them Marines and soldiers fight and They're still off. using
0: Beretta's U-fire. Well, well, it, exactly, but I mean, but the even, way
1: the procurement works, yeah. it's so bureaucratic, it's so 19th century, it needs to be overhauled. So you get better weapons Mm -hmm. in a timely fashion at a lower cost for the American taxpayer. Not only
3: all that, but if you remember the SIG M17, which replaced the Beretta 92, there was a huge scandal amongst SIG after the the armed forces had adopted it because if you dropped it at just the right angle, at just the right height – it would go off on its own. <laughs> and so not only does it take too long and cost too much money, but it's downright ineffective sometimes.
1: Well, but even when you go to weapons weapon system, they have the Zumwalt-class uh, destroyers. they wanted 30 They end up with like 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. Some of them have cracks in their hull, and their cost goes up. Look at the, um, the F-35, the aircraft that the, Arm- the Air Force, Navy, and the Marine Corps use. That has so many cost overruns. The Marine Corps Osprey, that was first proposed when I was a junior in high school in nineteen eighty one. I guess wow. when you throw enough mil- money at it, this is what you get. So we got to reduce that that element. It's it's the way we acquire equipment, how we spend our money. We need to, and that's is throughout the federal government, not just the Department of Defense, but
0: 81, folks, that's when Empire Strikes Back came out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean,
1: so think of the waste. But we have this bureaucratic labyrinth of maze because if you ever read the book America's Bitter Pill written by Stephen Brill, he talked about the Affordable Care Act. You had companies that know how to get through the government contracting and individuals who know how to maneuver through the minutiae of that. Do we get something that's competent? No.
0: Okay. So I do want to go kind of Tony, whatever, maybe her name. Uh, how much tax did GMCO uh, Mary uh, Barr pay? Uh, she made who 20, the CEO of GMCO. See,
1: I would have to go back and look. I don't okay, know. Okay.
0: But also what kind of caught my eye was how many, how, like, um, how much money, I guess, with, does the military overpay in food or laundry, like and stuff like that? No,
1: I mean I don't know the exact amount, but they do overpay on a lot of items. Okay, and they need—that's what I'm saying—they need to address some of these things. Like mm-hmm. We were in the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps has something called ServMart. It's a combination of Home Depot and an Office Max. Why? Why don't they give each battalion? They have a comptroller. Here's a credit card. Let the private sector compete with each other to get your contract, to get
0: whatever you need. Well, I would also almost think it would be beneficial, like they could almost completely eliminate any services out of the military. If you kind of stipulated a military tax nationwide and you would kind of compensate them or reimburse them, so anybody that does, veteran, military, use... And ask for the military discount that it automatic, you know, that when they hand off their numbers at, at the end of the year, the IRS looks at it, or actually, so businesses do it every quarter. They could write off that that as an expense and come back on, and then that's just another way they're kind of making, saving money out of the budget.
1: The only thing I get be questioned about that is how is that going to be done. Because every time we do these things it makes it it just it makes the
0: taxpayer you still you, I mean if it's you would have to keep some kind of track like we're on our system okay, but on you, our system we keep a track of every transaction. No, but think think what
1: you just said. Keep track. Mm-hmm. When the that government couldn't even account couldn't even keep track of the COVID money that went out.
0: No, no, I'm not saying this is more onus on the business keeping track of their military discounts or of their. But I of, do,
1: but what I want is When the military goes out and buys something, instead of giving, having these government um, individuals or government um, companies inside the military, like a ServMart, why not privatize it and let the military go out? Let's say they go to Lowe's, they go to Home Depot, they get coupons, let them do these things. Like, okay, being in the the Marines, the Army has 90% of the equipment the Marine Corps have, except for a few items. We have the Cobra helicopter, they have the Apache but we're on different logistic systems. That makes no sense. Yeah. Even the military retirement, when I retired, it was based off points. Or if you do 50, uh, uh, 20 years, you get half your base salary, 75 if you do, um, if you do 30 years. Why not, everybody who joins the military starting now, the money that you put it has to go into some type of retirement account, and then let's say you do four years, that money goes with you. If you do eight years, the government will match it even more. And every year you do after that, let's say you do 15 years, Mm -hmm. the the government's matching it even more to give incentives for you to stay. But once you leave the military, that money will go with you just like any 401K you have at a a private uh, employer. Here comes the question.
2: So here here comes Glenn. Defense contractors have consolidated into very few firms. Should we break them up?
1: No, that is a good question because that was what came up during um, a report by the Center for Strategic International Study. One was done by Seth Jones, and what they found out is after the end of the Cold War, we had multiple defense contractors. You know, Northrop Grumman, um, McDonnell Douglas is one of the major ones. But then when so the like coal- Boeing, Lockheed, yeah, yeah, those okay. are yeah, okay. But then you go the smaller ones. But when the uh, Cold War was over. A lot of this defense contracts consolidated with each other, and now there's few of them. Because right now, there was an, they did an exercise, and let's say potential the, the um, scenario was a potential war with China over Taiwan. They said in one week, we would expend our munitions, because one as raised big on. We gave a lot of our surplus munitions to Ukraine. But the other side is, we let our defense industrial base shrink. And we need to, maybe this is an option, break it up so we have more companies that make... Like, I looked up the AT4, which is a, a shoulder fire bunker buster rocket launcher type thing that the Marine Corps used in
0: the Army. Not GMC truck?
1: Okay. <laughs> but here's the point, though. That has been bought out. First, it was from Northrop Grumman. Then it went to a, a few companies. It was bought out by another defense contractor. And I think now it's under Northrop Grumman's umbrella. Uh-huh. So you have fewer companies making some of these key components and maybe if we had multiple of these they would have a better defense industrial base
2: would would it be also beneficial for the united states to start making um the parts and components uh in the united states instead of china or should we continue to have our enemies build and manufacture our parts for our military so if we ever have to go against them you know, they, they know pro- what we have. A lot <laughs> of I don't know
0: people. if you would get this, but like there would be like an Order 66 in place. When you're when you're getting all your stuff from China, oh, yeah. the China's Chinese Chinese going to hit like down. a switch and everything shuts down. A lot know?
1: of the problems, because I'm reading this book now by Robert Leitziger. He was the trade representative for Donald Trump, and mm-hmm. he was also the assistant trade representative for Ronald Reagan. And he went through the whole litmus started starting when international trade became part of the Bretton Woods Agreement. So we liberalized it to keep these conflicts from simmering. We can have discussions. You can put tariffs on things to, to manage the trade so everybody benefited from it. Then, after the end of the Cold War, we pushed the World Trade Organization, and what that did, that accelerated manufacturing base to go to China to go to other countries. Because we thought they would, you know, liberalize. And all China did is if you're, let's say, company A and you want to do business in China, you have to turn over your intellectual property to a state-owned Chinese business. That, all that should have – were supposed to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. But previous Republican and Democratic uh, presidents allowed China to get away with it. Every time they negotiated with China, China said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it. And they never lived up to their bargains. The only time they met a different president, and I know i will probably to get pushback, is when Donald Trump pushed back and used tariffs, just like Ronald Reagan used tariffs against Japan and other countries during the 80s. And we're trying to get that industrial base back. But the problem we have, you don't set up a manufacturing base in America because it's too cost prohibitive. And one of the other reasons is they're setting up a semiconductor plant like in Ohio and in arizona the problem is they can't find enough skilled workers so they have to get these skilled workers from abroad because our educational system hasn't kept pace
0: so we're We're outsourcing people
1: because even the military a lot the military beyond some of the things we've mentioned before one yeah. of the reasons they can't get enough recruits is because they can't get enough people to pass the asvab and when you got half the country the children in america can't read to grade level, mm-hmm. and that's from the latest educational reports over the last year, we got a problem here. So, I mean, these are all factors that need to be addressed and are not being addressed.
2: So, Aaron Taylor said they can be trained on the job.
1: How not necessarily. No, I don't think some so. You, some, some can, but the vast majority of the jobs in the semiconductor, because People who go into, let's say, the computer technology, they say those other things we can go into. They don't understand that you can make really good money in the semiconductor industry. Well, only
0: well, it's only good money because there's very few very few people. Yeah, once you once you start flooding the once you start flooding the job market with people that know how to do, you're you're going back down to twelve dollars an hour. So you're producing semiconductors. No, not
1: necessarily. This is high. These are high paying job no, I,
0: and i understand but if you, we need a lot of people to kind of fulfill that role you know it goes from being a hundred and ten thousand dollar job to an eighty thousand to a sixty thousand to a fifty all the way down to Not like necessarily
1: because there's other there's other businesses spawn off that once mm-hmm. you do one industry especially in technology you can spawn off a, di- a lot of different companies a lot of different products that you're going to need skilled workers these at, aren't People flipping hamburgers or putting a pickle on a chicken sandwich at Chick uh, Fil A. Chick-fil-A. All right.
3: I didn't know somebody that used yeah, to do yeah. that. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of skilled workers can be trained on the job, but with there, semiconductors and microchips, need, you need skill. You need you need skilled
1: education. You can do some of that in high school, but you need some of that in college as well. Mm-hmm. And you need to combine the two. But we need to do a better job of training. But I mean, when you got half of American school children can't read. You got a problem.
3: Yeah, and specifically with microchips, you're talking these machines that make the microchips. They're so specialized and so advanced. They're literally only made in one country, and that's Norway exactly. for the leading-edge technology. So it's not like any guy with a high school diploma can walk in off the street and learn this.
0: No. Do you think there should be incentives for, say, these institutions for education to actually provide this education for microchips and stuff Well, like that? I think what
1: they need to do is force these educa- these institutions because right now, colleges are going off on their different... And the government gives billions of dollars to these universities. But also, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of, for the K-12 through yeah. is school choice. Oh, absolutely. I think if you... Joe, you've got kids. I think if... Um, you should determine where and when your kids are taught and, t- and how they're taught. And if the state Allocates this much money for public education, and you want to send your kids somewhere else so they can get a better education. That money should flow to you because right now, even I was talking with a couple gentlemen at work, and he he was stunned on this that 92% of uh, black children at age 13 can't do
0: math at grade level. Is that the same gentleman we might have on later? Yep, same
1: gentleman. But I mean you got 80% of minority children and black and hispanic kids can't read or do math to grade level. What well, job are they
0: getting? So when it, but what, okay so let's just kind of stretch into education is there maybe like a system that we could start utilizing say maybe after sixth or seventh grade where we just start take the kid we kind of have like a good assessment of what their learning process is and stuff like that Be like, okay hey you're gonna go over here where you might be able to learn superconductors and that's computers to, and stuff like that's that. up to you, you're gonna go over here for engineering you're gonna go over here for music you're gonna go over here we,
1: if you look what's going on in the country they're pushing all this woke stuff that's up to the parents and the child to make the determine what's best for the needs of that child like your son you tell me is great about putting things together. Maybe he likes drones. True,
0: but Maybe, I mean you could be woke all you want, but if you can't afford anything more than public school, you're kind of. But see,
1: that's where the the parents, if they can't afford to go to somewhere else, the money the state allocates should follow them.
0: Yeah, so Ray
1: is about ready to freaking jump out. Of well, because
2: because of the history behind this oh, is Glenn Glenn said school choice leads to segregation.
1: Um, not necessarily.
0: I'm kind wa- of. Oh, no, I would waffle on that because sometimes, uh, but not intentionally. It's not intentional segregation. It's just like a lot of people well, don't know who who was
2: the one who designed the bus routes. He's currently sitting in the Oval Office.
0: <laughs> it was <laughs> Biden. <laughs> but but going back, I think it's unintentional segregation because there are okay. There's a matter of transportation, like they said. So, like, the only reason why we're utilizing school choice is because either I or my wife get up early to drop our daughter off at the school we deemed necessary. There is literally a school right across the street. But There's a school less than 500 yards from this house right here, and we choose to get in a car and drive 15 minutes down the street to get her okay, into a better there, school. But
1: also, we, in a way, we have school segregation right now. If you're wealthy... Like, take what well, my brothers, who has two, um, two, two daughters and a son in California, they were stuck to go to public school. And when they were stuck at home learning by Zoom, while the Democratic governor of California sent his kids to in person learning at a private school. So you really do have an element of segregation. The wealthy get to send their kids to better schools, while the poor and less fortunate, who don't have the means to send their kids, they're stuck going to the same sh- crap school down the street. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so not you racial kinda, segregation. It's, it's, not ra- it's class segregation. Yeah. And that's what we're doing now is class segregation across the country.
0: Okay, hold on one second. So we are at our mark, but we're going to keep it going? I think that's a good question. Glenn says, do you think we should stop funding school through property taxes? I would have to... You would get the private sector involved, and that's going to yeah. get a little shady. Yeah,
1: I would have to look more into that. But I would tell th- Glenn, I would really have to look
0: more but into that. But the thing is, also, is that the school, go. the the level of school. So if you're getting a really good school, it does all revolve around the demographic around that Correct. school. So the property tax is kind of. So if there is an up and coming neighborhood and it's well to do, it's going to have a, you know, they're going to have better. Uh, they're going to have a lot better of everything. And but, when in New,
1: but in New York City, they have charter schools in the same inner city u- utilized in the same
0: public school buildings. But we already figured that out.
1: Yeah, but those charter schools do better because they actually teach the kids. They empower the kids. They, f- they said, we're going to raise the standard, not like an organ where the governor passed a bill and pushed it into law that well not enough minorities are passing the entrance exam to get out of high school so let's just eliminate the entrance exam
0: so for like so from glenn's perspective so new york city had a building half of it was a public school the other half was a charter school and the charter school did exceptionally better than the public school and we were trying to figure out why it was actually to the it was the union that was making... And
1: that's the other big problem. Like, look, Take Chicago, the teachers' union president, railed against um, private schools, especially parochial schools, as being racist and segregationist. But where does she decide to send her son? To a private school for $19,000 a year. So mm-hmm. it's basically one standard for your kids another one for mine
3: and going back to the thing of segregation it it relates to the idea of affirmative action for colleges and that's not racist that's not discriminating against white people it's discriminating against asians because they by and large perform better than any other demographic
1: yeah and the That was the issue, and it goes back to what you're saying. Like in 2017, the Brookings Institute, which is a left leaning think tank, showed out of all the demographics, Asians do by far the most homework, and at the bottom is African Americans. So that all, and I'm not saying there's other issues that have to be addressed. The family unit needs to be strengthened, which is not, and a lot of these key issues have to be addressed, but we got to do something with our educational system. We cannot be at the bottom despite the billions and billions of dollars and almost too close to a trillion dollars spent on education well, we've, well, we figured I out want,
0: that I that money is one. not going to any, anything when it comes to the students. It's going to mostly uh, the administration. The administrative costs.
3: Real quick, I want to respond to a comment that says red states are the least educated. Um, the least literate state in the union is California, is it not?
1: Correct, and the, the latest, <laughs> and that would be, and that would be a solid
3: blue state. Well, the correct, la-
1: <laughs> the latest educational report that came out last October, which was the Nation's Report Card. Out of all the states in the union, the one state that did not have a drop in reading was
0: Mississippi so i I have my own theory on mississippi mississippi's interesting in mississippi (laughs) the end of the world can happen right now and mississippi is not going to miss a beat they're going to keep on going like nothing ever happened but think about about they don't even know
1: when everybody plays that that red blue state california is ranked that near the bottom and they spend more on education than most states Mm -hmm. so mississippi did not lose, did not drop in reading. Now, Florida, as much as between this California Florida thing, Florida's ranked about number 11 in education. So a lot of these red states, blue states, like Arkansas, put together a school choice. You had other states do the same thing, like Virginia, under Glenn Youngkin. So that's starting to change. So, well,
0: Hold on, I I, go, I want to egg on Cody a little bit. Uh, it says wrong. California is 28th in education. You putts. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, I would, but I would disagree. I've Been called worse, and I will be called worse. So have fun. <laughs> but I would. Dis- but I would
1: disagree with Cody. The I don't know what studies and he's um, he's following. I could follow in. Um, Cal Matters. They mm-hmm. just came out something a couple of days ago. California's ranked about 43rd of all states in education. Florida's the, the, number uh, one. Okay. The, um, the educational report card that came out of the Department of Education in October ranked for California near the bottom. So I would like to know where he's getting his, his um, information.
0: I'm getting a little confused because Glenn's saying that Florida is 50th in education no, and Sarek is pointing me to a thing on the website saying... Yeah, we're literally what? fact-checking <laughs> this we're now like
2: so it's interesting. <laughs> but, US no, give us, us
0: our, your sources. I would like to know the source.
1: <laughs> what is the source that you ranked Florida at the bottom?
0: No, no, no. Florida was ranked number one oh, on U.S. Well, US
1: report, but I mean before, yeah. for the, the individual who commented where did he get that information that put Florida at the bottom?
0: The back of the coloring book? The back of the Joe Biden coloring book? That's where he got his information <laughs> Hold on. I, from. <laughs> I
2: wanted to bring this up. Brenda Jacob asked a question a while ago that said, they want to have children in their school where they ban book history and program them no empathy. Um, is he talking in Florida? I, I think in general. And I think my concern is, um, the books that are looking to be banned are anything that has to do with sexualizing something, and, and it has to do with minors. And that's, that's something that is in a crosshair right now well, in this but, country. Well, but the
1: point that you brought up, they read, um, Senator Kennedy of Louisiana read a portion of what they wanted to do. They had questions on, and it talked about oral copulation. It talked about penetration. It talked right. about uh, different sexual acts and they're not banning books. They're just making age appropriate. Yes. And they're not banning history. The ones who put together, I think they're referencing the African-American history course, was put together by African-Americans. Right. And they're not banning anything. It's just they want to teach this and not critical race theory.
3: What What they're primarily pushing against is this idea, especially in terms of history, that everything America has done is bad. Cause, yeah, and I mean, Then I'm, why
0: are you living here?
3: Well, everyone, <laughs> out of everyone here, I'm the most recent to have been in high school. <laughs> yeah. And I remember senior year, I had a history teacher who was fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. And I had her for American history. And it was painful because she prescribed to that idea of everything America has done is bad and you need to be apologetic for it.
0: Remember, it was, it was a school in Colorado that was against the, uh, the Don't Tread on Me flag, the, the, the Gadsden flag. The Gadsden flag. Well, I mean, and
3: then that kid turns around <laughs> and poses outside of his teacher's uh, car that has a bunch of far left I mean, sticker for, stickers. But
1: like, for me, on. when it comes to... I love history. I read mm-hmm. about it. America history is dark. Yes, it is. I'm the first to admit it. We had slavery, the way we treated the Chinese, the way we had Japanese internment camp. But,
3: but it's just need, as dark as everyone else But else's. you
1: need to teach the totality of American history, even our founders. Were they perfect men? No, there was only one perfect person in this who ever walked this earth. They were flawed. But look what they produced at the time they produced. You have to go back to the constitutional period. When they put that constitutional together, there was nothing that had a government by the people. There was nothing like that. Everything was kings or emperors or dictatorships. So you have to look at the totality of everything. And without the Constitution, there would have been no Abraham Lincoln. And without Abraham Lincoln, there would have been no uh, Martin Luther King. We're not perfect. We're evolving our country, each and every day.
2: Well, actually, Joe Biden did recognize Emancipation of Proclamation. So I guess the Democrats are starting to apologize for their actions a couple hundred well, years ago. <laughs> but you know. it's just,
1: it's just weird <laughs> that we need. I mean, because my own father fought against America; they welcomed him. It's just you got to look at the totality. Could we have done better? Do better? Yeah, we always can. But we're not this systemically racist, because if we're systemically racist. As the Democrats how did Barack Obama get elected? If every black in America voted for him, that only—that's 14 percent of the U.S. population. So that means whites had to have voted for Barack Obama. We had a couple Secretary of States black: Mm -hmm. Condoleezza Rice. We had. um, What's I know there was another one. Oh, Colin Powell. You had black Attorney Generals. You have blacks on the Supreme Court, liberal and conservative. Yeah, you have a black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The current chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is black. So you have next, you have Hispanics, you have Asians, you have people who are gay in our government. So we're evolving. It's just people got to get out of this idea of it's black or white and everything we do is racist and no matter what. A person of color can never get ahead. That's false.
0: So does anybody got anything before we close it up? All right, so, John, how can you go ahead and get a hold of us? You
1: can get a hold of us by going to ybaldireports at gmail.com. That's ybaldireports at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and let's see what else. Yeah, all the social media. You can see past episodes we have done. And then we'll keep doing this at 7:30 Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday. My goal is to do this every Wednesday, every every day, so we can talk about these key issues. And I like Joe to talk about what he's working on.
0: Well, we will talk about that in a second. But
2: Ray, go ahead. Uh, so some Second Amendment news: um, We've defeated the, or we're looking to defeat the fascist governor of New Mexico and her um, her ways of suspending rights that are. Um, given to us by the Constitution. We've put a temporary hold on her decision-making that was just her decision. that uh, wasn't anybody else's, so that's, I believe... Kind of textbook right there uh, So we did put a stop to that uh, New Mexico residents, you are allowed to conceal carry And open carry as you as you Want um, And we are actually looking to stop that And on a federal level, House Republicans Are putting together legislation to uh, Make sure that An individual in power Cannot make a decision To um, suspend your rights At any point in time Because this is America, we are the land of the free uh, We abide by the Constitution And I have to tell you that every amendment is absolute, unlike what they're trying to tell us. So the fascism will stop. I need an SBRA. How close are we? Close. Are we going to? We're fighting the NFA stuff.
0: Uh, So before we go into all American gunslingers, this is just a message to uh, Lauren Boebert. So we kind of hear that. (laughs) What really happened? (laughs) No, no, no. We're cool. But I just want you to let you know. That our host, John Ubaldi, is single. (laughs) 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 And I think you're just the type he's looking for. It may be a Glock (laughs) in your pocket, but it's not a Glock in his. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you can catch Cody, Ray, Sarek, and I on All American Gunslingers. We're going to be starting our podcast up once we kind of have an established place, which is not too far. We're about 60 days out from having a brick and mortar so that's pretty big uh we're gonna have a gun range we're gonna have a shop we're gonna have a store where you can purchase firearms ammunition and accessories along with awesome classes and uh, it's definitely gonna be the beginning of our second amendment haven for people we want this to be like a destination for when you guys come down to florida uh we're really excited about it um it's just the beginning and uh, if you want to catch us or you have any questions for us, you can go to allamericangunslingers at gmail.com or look out for our website coming out soon, which is going to be allamericangunslingers.com. Uh, with that being said, everybody have a great day. Yeah,
1: until next Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern time, keep listening to all the reports. And thanks all people for commenting. Until next time, till then.